0: Timothy, and uh, we're going to be in chapter two. We'll get there in just a moment. Um, yesterday, uh, we remembered the events of 20 years ago, and anybody here that's over, you know, um, 15 uh, years or, or so, or, or you know, you're going to 25 years or so, or you're going to remember things about those events and things that unfolded after that. Um, it was an event that changed our world forever. And uh, we look around in our world today, and specifically our nation, and there's a lot of unrest. There's a lot of division and infighting, a lot of finger-pointing and blaming others and the question that we have is how do we fix it how do we correct the direction the ship of this nation is going and get it get it back headed in the right direction get it back on on solid footing as I was thinking about that I read this illustration I think it's so fitting it started out as a prayer meeting some 40 years before. This prayer meeting was not without its detractors, at least not outside the church of St. Nicholas in Leipzig, Germany. Those who attended the prayer meeting were harassed and threatened on a regular basis. Still, Monday night after Monday night, After Monday night, people came to participate in the prayer meeting at the large old cathedral in the former East Germany. The group also started to grow, and the police began to take notice of this. One night, following the prayer service, several attendees, along with the leadership of the group, encountered a group of police, and they were attacked and beaten still people kept coming and they kept praying they prayed for their nation they prayed for freedom and they prayed for peace prayer wasn't exactly encouraged in the former East Germany and prayers for freedom and peace would have been absolutely discouraged by the national leadership As time passed and the group continued to grow, and then something unexpected happened. The government unexpectedly allowed people to leave the country to immigrate to other parts of Europe and the world. When the immigrants left, their places were taken by people who were determined to stay and to work for change in their nation. They kept coming back to the church week after week after week. Sharing, praying, drawing spiritual strength from their struggle. The police continued their violent attacks on members of the prayer group. And on September the 4th, 1989, the pastor and a small group with him were attacked yet again. And instead of retaliation, the pastor started teaching the principle of nonviolent resistance based on the gospel as interpreted by Gandhi and applied by Martin Luther King, the group continued to grow and pray. They even picked up a name becoming known as the New Form, which would eventually become an opposition party. They were a determined group who would, wouldn't quit growing. The more they prayed, the more people came. On September the twenty fifth, 1989, more than 6,000 people packed the cathedral at Saint Nicholas. There were another 25,000 waiting outside to join the protest march. And of course we know, as they say, the rest is history. So what was the point? Why pray in a nation living under an atheist ideology? Really, why bother? Russia had fallen into its ideology some 30 years prior to East Germany, Nothing there had changed. It might even seem to some that God had abandoned them. There might even be some people out there who would argue who could blame God for abandoning them. In their 20th century history, they had been at the root of two world wars and had not only allowed Hitler to come to power, they actually encouraged it. Most of those East Germans would probably have admitted they deserved no, no such help from God. But then again, neither do we. We have all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. The East German prayer had actually been great, pretty simple. And they knew God had not abandoned them. They also knew that simple prayers can have the most impact. And their prayers did have impact. Their prayer was for change and for their nation. They prayed for freedom and peace. And those prayers changed the world. Here's the thing. These folks were praying to God to make a change that were beyond their ability to make. They could not do it. If I have a bad habit or an issue in my life, I can pray, and I can work, and I can change it. It goes that way. It may not be as easy, but it is something that I have the ability to do. It might also be easier if God is there helping me to break this habit or this issue. On the other hand, there are things none of us, none of us can change. There are things all of us together cannot change. It's times like these. That only God can make a way. Only God can make a way when there is no way. And so I thought about 1st Timothy chapter 2. And as Tim, as Paul writes to church, to, to Timothy at the church at Ephesus, this is what he says. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. Praying for everyone. Notice there are no limitations. He didn't say pray for some. Pray for your friends. Pray for those on your side. Don't pray for the enemies. Don't pray for those that disagree with you. He didn't say that. He said, I ask that you pray for all men. For kings... And all who are in authority, in order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and man, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony born at the proper time. And for this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle, telling the truth I am not lying, as a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Paul writes to Timothy as he has left him to lead the church of Ephesus and that region. And he writes to him and says, pray. If you want change, pray. Involve yourself in prayer. He gives him instructions in how to pray. The real message is prayer. He first says, entreaties. Entreaties are pleas and earnest, humble requests. Entreat God. Plead with God. Request of God in a humble way that there be change in our nation. There be change in the hearts of people. That there will be change in the lives of people. Prayers is a general term, It's the idea of seeking change through God. So he says, entreaties and prayers. These are different ideas of the process of prayer. First, there are the entreaties. First, there's the pleading and the request that is being made. Then he says, there's the general idea of just seeking change that can only come through God. Not change that we can make. Not change that we can enact, but change that can only come from God. Then he says there are petitions, a request for that change. Not just that God would change, but requesting how that change would be made. And then finally, I think very interesting, he says thanksgiving. Expressions of gratitude for the blessings. In our life, that we not just come with a shopping list requesting and entreating and begging and pleading for changes and things to get better. He says, but be thankful, have gratitude for the things that you have received and for the blessings that have come your way. And while certainly there is struggle in our nation, while certainly there is division and infighting in our nation, we still live in a nation where we have the freedom to come together as we have this morning. To worship God, to sing praises to His name, to share in the elements of communion, remembering the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to, to share around His Word and learn from it, to strengthen our lives. What a blessing! And we need to be thankful for that. We need to have gratitude in our hearts not to take that for granted. Think about these people in East Germany. They were coming together simply to pray. They weren't out protesting. They weren't out fighting. They they weren't out tearing down the national leaders. They were simply praying. And yet the police and the government attacked them and beat them time after time, uh, discouraging them, trying to stop them and scare them away from the prayers. And yet they continued to come and pray. We don't face that. There aren't police waiting outside when we leave here today to try to dissuade us from coming back. To beat us or discourage us from our commitment to the Lord or to His kingdom. We don't face that. And He says we need to be a people who pray. That we pray with entreaties and prayer, prayers and petitions, but we give thanksgiving for the blessings that we received. The purpose for the prayer. Just notice what He said. Very simple thing. That we may lead tranquil and quiet lives with godliness and dignity that there may be peace in our lives not not that we're praying for, for some great success for us not that we're praying for some uh, you know remarkable or or uh, you know this extra thing in our life he said just that we try, pray and we have tranquility this is the purpose tranquility and peace in our life and that that peace is carried out in godliness godlike actions And dignity. And we have a quiet life. It's not about all of the big things or the big fuss. He says our prayer was a direct effect on the way that we live our lives day by day. And then the next thing he says is this, and I think it's so important, the impact of prayer. He says to pray, he says here's the purpose of prayer, but here's the impact of prayer. It is good and acceptable to God. Would you like to do something that you know is good and acceptable to God? That you know without a doubt, without any uncertainty, that God is pleased when I do this? Then pray. Pray for all men. Pray for kings and those who are in authority. Pray for God's blessing and direction in their life. And he says this is good and acceptable to God. Want you to notice the next thing he talks about is that God desires, God's desire is that all men should be saved. Where does change begin? Change begins when people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's where change is. It's not when we persuade people to, to think the way we think. It's not when we get enough people together to overthrow the other people who think differently than we think. It's not that our party is stronger than their party or our group is bigger than their group. It's not that we've overpowered and change happens because we've demonstrated more largely than anyone else. He says change begins when people become safe." when people's hearts and lives are changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he's talking about this praying for change. He's talking about this praying for, for a difference and, and, the, and how that the purpose of that for our lives. But notice when he talks about the impact. Who desires, verse 4, all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He says, listen, here's what I want you to understand. I want you to understand that if you are praying, that your prayers are for people's hearts and lives to come to the point that they know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, because that's when real change is going to happen. That's when there's really going to be a difference in those people and in the life of our nation and our world is when people come to know, and notice what He said, there's only one God. There's only one mediator. He desires that everyone would be saved, and that's why we pray for all men. But what we're praying for is for their salvation. We're praying for them to come know the same Savior that we know, to, to come to serve the same God that we serve. You want to talk about unity and harmony? In in our nation and among people, it begins when people come under the headship and the lordship of Jesus Christ and we're all serving one God. And he says in that there is unity. There's only one God. One mediator between God and man. Did you get that? Do you understand the impact of that? The impact of, of understanding that all other mediators are removed. There's only one person that can connect us to the Father. There's only one person that can bring us in alliance and, and allegiance and alignment with the Father. One mediator. The man Christ Jesus. The one who sacrificed Himself for your sins and my sins. The one who gave His life for us. And that's what He goes on and says then in that following verse as we read there together. He says that there is one mediator which is Christ, Je- the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all the testimony born at the proper time. He says, listen, when you pray for kings and authorities, when you pray for those who are in positions of leadership, our prayers need to be about their salvation. Our prayers need to be about the relationship and their knowing God the Father and having the Mediator Christ Jesus in their life. It's not about help them to see things the way I see it. It's not about help them to change their mind to do things the way that I think they should do it. It's about praying for them to know God and for them to come in alignment with Him through the Mediator Christ Jesus. And if there's where our prayers are based if there's where our prayers are founded and the foundation of those prayers, then God can begin to work change. But it begins by changing an individual's heart, an individual's life, and their submission to the Lordship and the leadership of Jesus Christ. And I will have impacted because the price that He paid, it's already been paid. And the foundation that's already been laid Build upon Christ. Allow Him to be Lord and ruler and master of our lives, of our prayer life, and our prayers for others. And so then he comes all the way around. He began there in verse 1 and 2 and talked about the prayers for men. And then he comes to verse 8 and says this, Therefore, remember what I always say to you, you see the word therefore, ask yourself the question, what's it there for? Therefore ties this last sentence this last verse back to everything we just studied. Everything we just looked at and come to understand. Therefore, I want men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. So he wants us to pray. He wants us to pray with a, a surrendered heart. That's that's what uplifted hands means, right? Someone says, put them up and you surrender. You put your hands up, right? You surrender. He said, uplifted hand. It's just a, a symbol of surrender. I want, want men everywhere to pray with uplifted hand. Surrendering to God. Allowing Him to be Lord and Master and Ruler of our hearts and our lives. And He says, and, and I want you to pray without division. I want you to pray without wrath. So, so our prayers need to be motivated out of love, not out of anger. Our prayers need to be motivated out of desire, as, as the scripture says, God desires for all men to be saved, for desire for their salvation, not, not for God's wrath to strike them, not, not for there to be some horrible thing to happen to them, but our prayers should be in unity and harmony, praying as we surrender that God would touch their lives, that God would bring their hearts in align with His And that Christ Jesus would be the mediator. And that's the change that would be enacted that would change our world forever. You see, we can overpower, we can overcome, we can get the majority. And we can change some things temporarily. But there's always going to be that comes the other way and it comes back the other way. And the other side then gets the bigger group and they overpower. And it's just changing and and bickering and fussing back and forth. He says, you want change that lasts want change is change that makes a difference in your life and the future of your nation the future of the world Then he says it begins with change of people's hearts and the relationship with god and what we need to be praying for is we need to be praying for people come to know god and not just in word not not just as as you know it's a politically correct thing to do or incorrect thing to do but for people to really come to know the lord and for their hearts and their lives to be changed. That Christ becomes the mediator that connects them and aligns them with the Father. And remember what he said. We're living that tranquil and quiet life in godliness and dignity. And when people begin to do that, we'll begin to see change in our nation like we've never seen before. And there'll be a future for our nation like there's never been before. Listen, we can't do that individually. We can't even do that As a group Only God can do that And so he says Come before him with entreaties With prayers With petitions And with thanksgiving And ask him To make the change Ask him to do What seemingly is impossible Because we know that he can And so as a church, as Christians, as believers, our prayer life needs to be in tune with the Word of God and we need to be praying for all men. Even the Taliban. Even those murderous, cowardice, horrible, evil people. He says pray for all men. Everywhere. Our prayer is that somehow, in some way, by the power of God... And his, his unbelievable ability that they would come to know Him like we know Him. And their hearts and their lives would be changed. That's the prayer. Every believer, every church, every person needs to be praying today for those who are in authority and all men everywhere that they might be changed by the blood of Christ, the sacrifice of the Lamb, the power and the forgiveness of god if that hasn't been your prayer life i pray today that that will change i pray today that that will start with us and we will be a people individually and as a congregation who pray the way god intends us to pray for the change that is needed in our nation well this morning we're going to offer an invitation